Welcome to episode 11 of The Catholic Take. The Catholic Take is a Catholic take on each of the chapters of Richard Schwartz and Martha Sweezy's 2020 book, Internal Family Systems, second edition. And we are looking at chapter 11, which is all about changing protector polarizations. All right, let's start with a verse from scripture, Romans 7.15. This is St. Paul describing his internal experience. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. He's describing, I think, an internal polarization. All right, so this assumes that you've read chapter 11 of the Schwartz and Sweezy book. I'm not going to go over all the basic concepts. There's a, another summary series that I do that's just on the content of those chapters that you're probably familiar with. But I'm going to look at this through a Catholic lens. Right? A lot of what we think of as sinning, right, acting out, a lot of acting out, a lot of sinning, can seem like it's not me, or at least not who I want to be, not what I desire, kind of like what St. Paul was just telling us in Romans 7.15. And it can lead to times where I don't even know who I am. I don't know who the person is that said that thing, or who, they, who did that thing, or who fell into that sin again. A lot happens within us. A lot happens in, in us intrapsychically among the parts of ourselves. This Catholic take is all about understanding that internal conflict. It's also about how to help Catholic therapists work with these kind of conflicts in our clients. All right, so just a couple of interesting things. Who we tend to fight with on the external system, like who we engage in conflict with, those people and the parts that they are in when they're in conflict with us are probably very similar to the parts that we have conflicts with within ourselves. Sometimes we can recognize the parts that we are in conflict with in ourselves more clearly by their analogs in other people. I'm going to invite you to think about this in terms of parts and in terms of the God images that parts have, in terms of the understanding of self that parts have, and the types of religions that parts have that are built around those God images and those understandings of self. Remember, Richard Schwartz, all the way back in chapter two of this book, talks about how each part has a worldview. And as part of that worldview, I maintain they have an understanding of God that is driven by their experiences and how they've made sense, how each part has made sense of those experiences, and also a way of understanding the self. If the part was the one that carried the burden of mistreatment, of abandonment, of rejection, it can assume that it's not worth very much and that God approves of those kinds of ways of being treated, especially if there's no external counterbalancing ideas that it can, that it can enter into in relationship with someone who knows better. Right? So whole religions get based around these experiences and how parts make sense of experiences. And that can lead to a lot of polarizations, especially around God and around religion. 
Now, remember that in IFS, if we go all the way back again to chapter three, we are looking at the self as the redeemer of parts. That's what IFS teaches, is that the self is the redeemer of parts. The parts need a redeemer, they need redemption, and the idea is that the parts can look to the self to provide that because the self has all these qualities, the self is never harmed. We've got real questions about that. Obviously, we raised those in chapter three about how whether the self is perfect and self-contained and never needs to develop and things like that. What I'm thinking about in this chapter is how do we create space for God to be the real redeemer? How do we create space for Jesus to come in and be the redeemer? Now, there could be a temptation, and I've seen this in some, in some therapists, to bring in Jesus, the redeemer, very early in the process. But because parts are often really polarized around Jesus, and I'll give an example of that in a little bit, because parts are really polarized often around Jesus and how they make sense of Jesus and where Jesus has been and why Jesus wasn't there when all these bad things happened and so forth, that can be really difficult. It can also lead to parts wanting to manage Jesus, right? It might be that there's a, a self-like manager part that wants to represent Jesus, wants to manage the relationship between other parts in Jesus, and it has good intentions. You know, it wants the salvation of the soul. It wants there to be parts, other parts loving Jesus, but it's going about it in a way that doesn't reflect who Jesus really is. Oftentimes, parts really need to have a trusting relationship with the client's self so that that self has enough credibility to be a conduit for the love of Jesus. I really do believe that God primarily works through the self, right? Doesn't come in and invade the system and work with parts, especially exiled parts, against the will of the person that would be intrusive, that would be invasive. So I think a lot of the work early on, especially when there's been a lot of trauma, is for the clinician to help the client with ordered self-love. Because that's indispensable. That's absolutely indispensable. Not even the love of God can make up for me not loving me. God cannot force me to love me, nor can he make up for that if I refuse to love myself. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe somebody that's got more theological training can correct me, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll learn from that. But I, clinically, that seems to be really, really true. There are people that have a deep sense of being loved by other people, but they still hate themselves. And that's not, that's not a good situation. So there can be parts that want to be Jesus's representative because they feel like that's safer and want to moderate that relationship. All right, so let's talk about some common polarities, polarizations that we see in Catholic clients. All right, so I want you to imagine a client who has an uber-Catholic, self-like manager part. And this part's in front a lot, uh, does a lot of praying, does some good works, you know, is kind of busy in the parish and so forth. But it's stuffing down this traumatized, exiled part. This exiled part had to deal with significant emotional and relational neglect as a child. And as a child, didn't have anyone to turn to in order for comforting, soothing, being seen and known, being heard, being understood, being loved. Right? It wasn't that the parents were overtly abusive, but it was just that the parents were distracted, not engaged with the child, didn't really know the child, didn't enter into the child's phenomenological world very well. 
And because of that, and because there was a, a Catholic identity in the family, this part came to conclude that God doesn't love me, right? So God is distant. God is uh, like a statue God, going back to the God images from episodes 23 to 29 of the Interior Integrations for Catholic podcast that I did. God doesn't love me. No one loves me. I'm unlovable. God is bad, you know, because he doesn't love me. Mommy doesn't love me. Mother Mary doesn't love me. And so this is incredibly threatening to the uber-Catholic self-like manager part because it's so heretical. It's so, it's so intense. And it runs the risk of driving the whole system into hell, so it believes, if this is ever brought to the surface. doesn't want God to see that there's a part of the person that has this intense anger, this intense disappointment, this intense frustration, and this intense emotion around this God image and the self-image. So it very much works to suppress. There's another manager, let's say, that's a workaholic manager who also spends a lot of time at work in ministry, trying to do good things, helping other people. And sometimes there can be a conflict between these two managers about how best to suppress the exile, right? How best to protect against being overwhelmed by the intensity of the exile. The workaholic wants to work through it, wants to create new programs, offer more things in the parish that where they work and so forth. Whereas the uber Catholic self-like manager part thinks they should be praying more, probably spending more time with the wife, more time with the family and so forth. So there's a tension around how do we keep this exile from coming to the surface with all this angst and anger about God. And those two can both get exhausted and tired and fail in their efforts to suppress the exile. So then comes the firefighter part and firefighters are all about distraction, right? So rather than experience the intensity of the exile's hatred and longing and yearning for love, there's this use of pornography that comes in. And again, the the person's just like, why do I do that which I hate doing? Why am I doing this? This doesn't seem like me. I'm looking at pornography now And the pornography is all about being seen, known, loved, and heard by the model in the videos or in the stills that the person's looking at. There's this way that of trying to reach for something that is actually needed by the exile, but it's a kind of counterfeit love. It's a kind of inauthentic, unreal, imaginary world to try to placate the intensity of the exile. And so there's a distraction element of it. And then there's also an attempt to to try to calm the exile down by giving this to the exile, which has a temporary suppressing effect or a temporary anesthetizing effect, if you will. And that seems to lead back to some kind of pseudo-homeostasis in the system, some kind of pseudo-balance or pseudo-harmony in the system. But then there's all kinds of guilt and recrimination 
around having sinned in this way again. So this is an example about how parts can become polarized and how the driver of it is the unmet relational needs. It's the trauma. It's the God image. It's the self-image that the exile carries, right? So in this situation, what is needed? Do we need to align ourselves as a therapist with the uber-Catholic self-like manager part and hammer away at the importance of virtues and do will training, help the uber-Catholic self-like manager part to, to really repress these things, you know, to repress the exile even more firmly, right? Or do we need to align ourselves with the workaholic manager, right? Where we just say, yeah, let's just work harder for the kingdom. Or do we need to condemn the firefighter and just lambast the, the client uh, for having used pornography, be sort of subtly critical or overtly critical of the client for having used pornography? The client knows all these things, right? So no, what we need to do is to be able to have these parts unblend, to be able to have these parts depolarize, deescalate, understand what's going on, and allow the exile to be attended to, to be known, to be seen, to receive the real things that that exile needs, to be there in the vulnerability, to be present, for the client's self to be able to love the part, for the client's protectors to be able to see that exile in an entirely different way so that they're no longer digging in in the way that they're digging in and creating these more extreme dynamics that lead to sinful acting out. If that can happen, if that exile can be healed, then the uber-Catholic self-like manager part doesn't have to work so hard to suppress, can turn its attention and its energy to other things. The workaholic doesn't have to, doesn't have to engage in, those, in that frenetic activity. And the firefighter doesn't need to be jumping in and firefighting anymore and using pornography if the underlying needs are really being met. So we want to get to the root of where these conflicts stem from. And the root is almost always, perhaps always, with an exile. So that's one of the great things about uh, IFS is that we can actually get to what are the primary causes, what's further up the causal chain, right, than to say, I got tempted and I looked at porn, right? We actually chase it further back. We follow it further back to be able to intervene more and more upstream at the level of the exiles. And that not only helps with greater integration, greater harmony, greater balance in the person's system, but it also lowers the likelihood that there's going to be sinful acting out. And that is a great gift that we can provide for our clients. So with that, we've come to the end of the discussion on polarizations in chapter 11. We'll invoke our patroness and our patron, and I will look forward to seeing you in chapter 12 when we begin to address unburdening. Our Lady, our Mother, untire of knots, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, pray for us.